The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today we radiate nowness with return guest, Steve Burgess. Now you may remember Steve was on last time to talk about his book, The Power of Past Life Regression. And uh, today that we're going to be talking more about the healing aspects of that book and uh, all the things that Steve's got going on. And I welcome you back, Steve. We had such a great time talking. Last thanks, time. Christy. It's, yeah, it was a lovely interview. I really enjoyed our time last year, and thanks for inviting me back again. It's so kind of you. Oh, absolutely. And so, well, I want to mention, in addition to the power of past life regression, you also have famous past lives. Hmm. So interesting. <laughs> now, yes. we we were talking about, you know, what were what were we going to radiate today? And you suggested nowness. Hmm. So why did you Why did you suggest that? In the last six months, my sort of spiritual path has sort of moved towards um, being in the now. And, and the, the process is often called non-duality, which is that it's all about being in the nowness of life, um, getting away. Most of the time, we're in our heads, we're in the past or the future. We spend most of our lives in the past or the future, which is not the best place to be. Um, and of course, Eckhart Tolle wrote the wonderful book, The Power of Now, which is teaching us to be in this now moment, to let go of the past or the future and to be in the nowness of things. And so my sort of practice nowadays spiritually, having sort of gone through, you know, Buddhism for many years and a bit of shamanism, etc., and then sort of toyed with Taoism and a bit of Zen, it's sort of coming through now as this process of being in the now. Because when we're in the now, we're in a perfect place. We're in a place of love and a place of joy and a place of peacefulness inside us. And it's a place where, where our, our true mind, if you like, I think ultimately resides. We get rid of the drama that goes on and we are in the now moment which is where everything is just pure peace. Um, and so my meditation practice is all about that. And, of course, professionally, the, the nice thing for me professionally as a regression therapist is that the work that I do, the regression therapy, actually, I think, adds into the, the mindfulness, the awareness, the nowness process because it makes it easier to be in the now if we're able to let go of our our emotional baggage. Um, so because most of us all the time are reacting to inner emotional pain without realizing, um, and that emotional pain comes from traumas in the past. And with regression, if we release the emotional pain, our whole mental, physical energy system calms down. 
And because we become less reactive, I feel we're more able to stabilize the experience of being in the now moment. And so professionally, the work that I do actually feeds into radiating nowness, being in the now. Right, because we can release all of the things we've been that have been holding us back, holding us down. I mean, with past life regression, the clients don't even know what is holding them down. They don't even know what they're holding on to. Mm -hmm. What happens when they release that? Well, of course, many clients have no concept of past lives. They don't understand the concept of it. They've not been brought up with any understanding of reincarnation. And they just come for a therapy session, as, as they do to you, with an issue. They just want to get better, whether that issue is depression or a lack of confidence or phobias or anxieties or sexual problems or addictions or weight problems, etc., etc. They just want to get better. Um, but the subconscious knows where the cause of the problem is, and it takes them into past lives very often without them even expecting that. Um, and of course, the regression model, maybe we should sort of mention that at the start of this talk, is that the regression model, all of our problems as human beings, all of our issues come from locked in feelings and emotions from past traumas. So that therefore means that we are reacting subconsciously all the time in different ways to the drama that's going on inside us from the past. And of course, a lot of the drama, a lot of our emotional baggage is from this lifetime. And so, yes, we do a lot of work to heal our clients' childhoods, let's say, in this life. But quite often, the subconscious also says there are some past lives here that need to be release that need to be neutralized and when that is done what happens is that energy that was in the subconscious that the client was subconsciously reacting to that energy just dissipates and their whole energy field calms down they feel lighter they feel freer they feel calmer as a result they're more able to live life freely and effectively without having to react all the time to things that are going on around them they become less reactive and perhaps ultimately non-reactive. And when we're in that state, we're just much calmer and we're much more able then to be in a calm state mentally. Yes, I love that. And they can just be more focused because they're, they don't have these things weighing them down and um, right, can yes. live fully in yeah. the present moment. Um, you mentioned Eckhart Tolle. And of course, he's top of mind when it comes to the power of now. What do you, what do you see as the true power of now? Well, my I listen to a lot of teachings by an English man called Rupert Spira. That's S P I R A, and he's an he was an English potter, um, but his path he calls the direct path, and he's been working on himself spiritually for most of his life, if not all of his life. And his teaching basically is that uh, it's almost like our true mind, our true essence is like a, a blank cinema screen. And that's always there. Um, and it's never touched by anything. It's always there. But all the drama in our lives are like uh, movies that are played onto that blank screen. And what we do, we see the movie all the time, but uh, the being in awareness is about seeing the blank screen and being the blank screen instead of just being in the movie all the time. Um, so it's actually a very simple process. He calls it the direct path. It's very simple, but it's about just coming into now, being aware of our thoughts, because when we're aware of our thoughts and watching our thoughts, which again is what Eckhart Tolle talks a lot about. When we're watching our thoughts, then we are just in the now. We're in this present moment. And it takes some doing. It takes a lot of practice. It's not the way we usually do things. Usually we let our minds just go off all over the place. Uh, but certainly it starts to help us to become more stable. Um, and as I've said, I just feel it's a calming process inside. that It taps into the true inner peace in us. 
absolutely. Maybe another nice byproduct from it is that we become aware that we're all connected. Everything, everybody is connected. We're not separate. And when you realize that we're all connected, the sort of anger or negative feelings you have about other people, you start to realize, but they're just like me. We are. I am them. So you start letting go of those sort of negative ways of looking at other people because you realize we're just all one. Yeah, I find with past life regression, that is that is part of the magic is that we see these people in other lifetimes doing very similar things that we're seeing play out in the current. And mm. we just realize that, uh, as they say in French, plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose. The more things mm. change, the more things stay the same. Yeah. Right? yeah. And that we can't really get away from that. No. We run these patterns very often over many lifetimes. Um, and often, I mean, although I've said about releasing trauma from past lives, and a lot of my work is releasing trauma in past lifetimes. So we do see a lot of tears, a lot of crying, sometimes screaming and yelling occasionally. But sometimes a client gets an understanding about why their problem is as it is now because they see what's happened in past lifetimes is still happening today. So um, it may be a client has a lack of confidence and they've always had a lack of confidence. And then they live past lives where they've been worthless. They've been treated badly. I just said before our interview, I was working with a client in Colorado um, and she had a couple of past lives today, one where she was born as a baby and left to die because she wasn't wanted. Um, and in fact, in, even before she was born, she relived being in the womb of her mother in that life. Um, and the mother was being punched in the stomach to try to abort the baby. And the mother was sort of treated like a slave, really. Uh, and then the baby was just born malnourished, wasn't fed, just left on a on some straw in a barn and died. Um, and in the next past life, uh, much the same. She was thrown into a into a jail in some sort of cave and just left to die, just forgotten about, starved to death. So in both of those lives, there's this worthlessness. And of course, so that worthlessness can connect to a lack of confidence in this life. And sometimes the client will say, ah, now I understand. No wonder I've always felt less good than everybody else and I'm not important. Because in those past lives, I was treated like dirt and just died horribly because of that. So there's often this, what I call A to B. The problem is B, A is what has caused it. So when we find A, B gets better. Yes. So in, uh, you know, this client's instance, they could even have tremendous success, but always feel worthless. All of these positive yes. things just do not connect with them because they've got that, that poor emotion, that A, that needs to be taken care of before they can yes. enjoy the success in B. Yeah, yeah. It's what I call a mistaken belief. We often find clients who, as a result of childhood in this life, have mistaken beliefs going on inside them without realizing because of childhood imprinting. So if you've had a tough childhood where you've been ignored or neglected, the child's mistaken belief is I'm not important or I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy. And that carries on into adult life. So the, the adult now will be having this I'm not good enough mistaken belief going on at a subconscious level and they respond to that all the time. And it's only when we explore childhood and release the childhood pain that that mistaken belief evaporates away and they become, they start to stand in their own power again. They become confident. Mm -hmm. And so you also work with clients to go to their own childhood trauma from this current lifetime. Yes. Yeah. So re regression basically has three areas. Regression into this life where we often go into uh, childhood, we often do rebirthing. We take clients back through the time of the birth in this life uh, to release birth trauma. We can even go back into the womb in this life, pre-birth, to release trauma. Um, I had one client who 
uh, again in this life, he had a terrible anxiety state. And in trance, in hypnosis, in the session, in the therapy session, he relived being in his mother's stomach, in the womb, while his father, again, like the past life I just mentioned, his father tried to abort him by punching his mother in the stomach over and over. And in the session, he was rolling around in the chair like this, his hands on his head, and he was crying and screaming with his hands all. He was in a fetal position, trying to get away from these blows that were coming in from the outside. So obviously, that was a big release for him. Um, so that's the first area of this lifetime. Past lives, yeah, we go back into, sometimes our clients have many past lives causing problems. But we also inherit uh, problems and uh, traumas from our ancestors, ancestors in our bloodline. So these are called ancestral or inherited traumas. And we can regress back into all of those areas. Some of my clients, we work through all three areas. And other times we just go into past lives. So we just don't know. But obviously, sorry, I'm going to say the past life stuff for me is the most fascinating and that's what I love sort of talking about. I love sharing my client's stories because I just think it's just incredible when somebody goes back into a past life and relives this stuff. And it all often fits in historically, the things that they're saying. And every now and again, even we get clients who come up with information, which they couldn't know otherwise, um, that comes from a past life. In fact, let me on that tack, I had a client just a few weeks ago, a gentleman up in Seattle who um, went into a past life as a carpenter in 17th century England. Now, he then relived the carpenter becoming a Quaker and deciding to leave England and to um, come over to the States, come over to America. And he said it's sort of like the mid-1600s. Um, and to, to become a Quaker. Now, um, and he said, the king, oh, our, our king is Charles. That's, that's our king's name. Well, I did a bit of research, and of course, uh, King Charles II was on the throne in England till 1685, and he gave William Penn the land in Pennsylvania to develop as a Quaker colony. And so, first of all, my client got the dates right, you know, six, mid-1600s, and he, he felt that he was one of the early colonists. He was one of the, the earlier of uh, the Quakers. So he got the dates right, he got the king right. He said, okay, well, that's sort of a bit impressive. But then what he said, he blew my socks off. He said, I'm living in a, in a small village in Berkshire, he called it Berkshire because that's what you, you Americans say, but we say Berkshire. And he said, I'm in a small village and the village is called Upper Bucklebury. Oh, well, I've never heard of Upper Bucklebury, you know, in, in, the, in the south of England. So I, I don't know where he's got that from. And then he said, I'm leaving, uh, the, I'm leaving the village now. I'm going to walk to Bristol to get a ship. But he said, I, I'm seeing the, the church in Upper Bucklebury. He said, it's a big sort of white stone building. He said, and it, it's St. Mary's Church. So anyway, finished the session. I went on to Wikipedia. And there in Berkshire is a small village called Upper Bucklebury. And guess what the name of the church is in Upper Bucklebury? St. Mary's. So I think, well, that's pretty, that's quite impressive for an American man living in Seattle. And then he said, and he also said, he said, um, I'm getting a ship over to the New World now with these other Quakers. Uh, the name of the ship is the Bristol Merchant. Well, again, I checked up one of the ships that was bringing Quakers to the New World was the Bristol Merchant. How did he know all that? Oh, how would he? <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, and I, I mean, I know a bit about history, but I didn't know, I couldn't have, have told you the name of a ship and this tiny village in the south of England 
which is quite quite extraordinary. So when people come up with specific information like that, it's quite difficult for people to say, oh, he just made it up, he imagined all this. Because that's the accusation against past life regression. All these people go into hypnosis and either the hypnotherapist leads them on by implanting these false memories. And as you know, we don't do that. Uh, because we just let it come through naturally. Or the client is making it all up. But some clients, when they get specific information, bang, it's how do they know that? Absolutely. You have to sit up and take notice. There's no way for them to. And yes, this is really common when a client comes out. They sometimes say, well, I feel like I made the whole thing up. Hmm. But, you know, I always say, well, if, it, if, it's, if it's helpful, if it solves your problems, does it matter? Yes, yes, right. of course. Yeah. Right. The, the, there is a school of thought that some people say these are metaphors created by the subconscious. I personally don't agree with that. Right. There may be some clients who have metaphor experiences, but when you see clients in these experiences in such a deep way, when people are sobbing their hearts out, when people are crying and screaming and yelling, this is real stuff. Um, you know, people don't imagine these sort of things. Uh, and why should people imagine these stories in order to get better? It doesn't make sense. You know, oh, we have a client who says, I have um, uh, a phobia of, of vomit, a metaphobia. And they'll go into a past life where I had one client who was a young alum lady with a metaphobia. And there were three past lives causing that, a phobia of vomit, a phobia of being sick, which is, as you know, quite a common phobia. In one of the past lives, she relived being a young lad, I think maybe 11 or 12, who was stolen from his town or his village and taken on board a sailing ship in maybe the 1700s, 1800s, and just used as a, as a deckhand, really, as a kid, to help out on board the ship. Now... We know that happened, that sort of thing, we knew that happened. But she then went into this experience where she was seasick all the time. He was a young boy, he'd never been on a ship before, and he was seasick. So, of course, he's, he's being sick all the time. And then these horrible uh, men on board the ship, the crew are horrible with him and beating him. And it's a really brutal sort of life. Um, he then went into another past life, or she went to another past life where she was... Um, again, a young boy who was being forced to eat some undercooked, horrible rabbit out cooked over a fire, and he couldn't keep it down, and he ran away from the man who was trying to force it into his mouth. This man was a bit of a brute, um, and as he ran away, he got into a river and he drowned and died. Um, and then she went into another past life where she was a young black man who was being... Uh, beaten and tortured by some other black people around a fire and they were forcing things into his mouth into this boy's mouth again uh, in the past life so the, all three past lives are horrible and to do with again things put in the mouth or vomiting and you can see that the subconscious has said well you know vomit equals pain and horror and death so therefore in this life if we're going to be sick, we might die because the subconscious has got this belief. You say, well, why did that young lady come to me? Because she had a phobia of being sick and she wanted to get better. Why did she create these three experiences like that, which was so unpleasant in order to get better? That just doesn't make sense. She had no belief in past lives and reincarnation. So, and it... If, if this happened just occasionally, that people went into past lives, you know, maybe it's imaginary. But when it happens so often, I mean, I've done, as you know, around 15,000 therapy sessions. I've done thousands of regressions, and you've done many yourself. And there are other past life regression therapists around the world. How many tens of thousands of cases are there? You can't just say they're all made up or all imaginary. That just doesn't make sense. So I think if even if one of them is true, then it means that past lives are real. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, whatever the whatever this origin is of our of our problem, of our issue, that is very real to us. 
I do believe, like you do, that it's connected to a past life. But, you know, it's the power of the mind, the power of story that you know, we internalize these type of things and we internalize it from somewhere. Mm-hmm. We get it from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the vast majority of these experiences are real. And I think if, if people were to watch a past life session or watch many hundreds of them, they'd start to realize this is real. Now, there is a lot of, what can you say, skepticism and um, bigotry against it, really prejudice, because people don't want to see this. And it, maybe they don't want to see it because it might blow their mind open a little bit that you have to take on board a new belief that actually reincarnation is a reality and not just some sort of weird Eastern myth. And there's nothing biblically or theologically against it, truly. I don't believe the, the, the Bible really addresses it, but there is no. nothing in it that, that, is, um, that is bad, that is sinful, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just as we're learning. And mm-hmm. um, in many of my sessions... We, well, we know that, that time is not really the, the line that we learn when we're children, right? Mm. That time is more like Doctor Who says, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, sometimes even past lives can be in what we would consider the future. Yes. Have you found those? Yes. I have, and, and um, I just categorize them as future life progression rather than past life regression. Mm-hmm. And I'm never too sure about the future life stuff. And let me explain why. Because for a number of years, I used to run past life regression workshops, group workshops for the public, where people would come and we'd spend a Saturday afternoon going into one or two past lives as a group, taking everybody into their own past life and then afterwards sharing what they'd experienced. And I did quite a lot of these and got a bit bored. So I thought, well, let's do past and future life in the same afternoon. So we did a past life regression. Then we took everybody into a future life. Now, in a lot of my uh, future life group workshops, we were taking people maybe 500 years into the future um, or even a thousand years into the future. And quite a lot of people were experiencing really horrible future lives. They were saying things like, it's awful on earth in 500 years time. You know, um, there's been massive wars, People, not many people alive anymore. Uh, the ozone layer has gone. Um, we have to live under the ground. There's no spirituality. It's just purely utilitarian sort of life. It's a horrible way we're just scraping an existence as human beings. And quite a lot of people were saying these things. I got a bit depressed because I thought, well, I thought we were in the age of Aquarius now. We're all part of this new awakening where things are going to get better and life's going to get more beautiful and Earth is going to, we're going to start to stand in our own sovereignty as human beings and, you know, it's going to be more love and peace. So I actually stopped doing the workshops. But then I spoke to some colleagues who were doing exactly the same. Taking, They were doing future life group workshops and I, and I explained what was happening in my workshops, and they said, we never get that. All of the people in our workshops are saying, life on earth is wonderful. It's the age of Aquarius. There's no wars. We're all handing people flowers every day, and we're all, it's, you know, it's just a lovely place to be. And I thought, well, I don't get this then. Why are those people on my courses, my workshops, getting the negative stuff? Are they just reflecting the fact that I'm a negative so-and-so and and I don't know? But So I actually stopped doing the workshops and I I didn't feel satisfied. It always felt a little bit as though you can't prove the future, Um, even though, as you say, time isn't linear. Um, We can't seem to prove it. Um, So I stopped doing them on that basis. Um, So I'm not sure as to what to make of that. Uh, it may be there are different timelines for different people. In other words, you know, as we go into the future, some people will go into one timeline where things are bad and other people will go into a, a timeline where things get better. I don't know. But uh, it's certainly quite mind-blowing. And and 
I mean, it's where do you take all that information? I'm not sure where ultimately you can take it. I think you've just got to, for me, be in the now. <laughs> it makes it easier than thinking about all this sort of what happens in the future. Support for the Radiate Wellness Podcast is made possible in part by listeners like you. Would you like to support this podcast? Visit radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash podcast for more information. Which, which brings me to another question I have. Have you ever found clients who are living concurrent lives along with current, with the, the present life? Now, how do you mean? Just, just, just. So they're having oh, one lifetime going on at the present moment. Yes. Yes. Um, not always so much. I'm trying to think at the present moment, but I've certainly found clients who have, who have had, who have been on earth at the same time in more than one body. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if I can think of any who have found they're on earth now at the same time, but certainly, um, I mean, the first time this happened was many years ago where I had a client who relived a life in the first world war as a, a pilot in the first world war and he was shot down and killed. And then a few sessions later, he went into a life as a woman in the First World War. Now, I thought at that stage, this was early on in my sort of career, I thought, well, uh, that doesn't make sense. But soon after that, I read um, Journey of Souls by Michael yeah. Newton. Mm -hmm. And, of course, he talks about this in a bit more depth. And he says that we can be on Earth in one in, in more than one body at any one time, because our soul is so big, it can split off. Mm -hmm. And so that made sense to me. And since then, I've had a few people, not many over the years. I had one lady who was, uh, she came with a flying phobia, and she relived a past life as a young woman who was waiting for her husband to come home and he'd been on the other side of the world, this was maybe in the 30s or 40s, uh, and she'd missed him so much. But she was worried because it was quite a journey to come back on several plane journeys, and she was sort of tuning into her husband intuitively, energetically, and she felt very, very scared. Um, and then he finally arrives home, and he falls into her arms, and everything's okay. But it was still unfinished and there was something not quite right about this experience. She still felt scared of flying. And I can't remember how we came to it, but we found out that she was actually also her husband in the past life. So she then relived being in the body of her husband, going through these awful plane journeys in these tiny rickety antique planes coming back from the other side of the world, thinking he was going to die at any minute. And then when she released all that pain, then the phobia went. But then she realized that she was, she was so close to the husband, they were just one soul. Um, they were, I think that's called a twin flame, is when, yeah, one soul splits and they come back together again. So, yeah, really beautiful. Beautiful, yeah. I, I equate it to having more than one chess game that you're playing at a time when we have more than one thing going on because sometimes yeah. we need to look at a, a situation, a problem from different angles. You stand over and look at it this way, you stand and look at it that way and uh, you just kind of get the, the fuller picture and that, I love that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's from more than one picture. You know, I had a client one time, she... Um, had a, another lifetime in the 1800s and in the current lifetime, she was uh, someone who helped development, developmentally disabled adults with figuring out their lives and getting situated and everything. And then that the other lifetime that she was living concurrently, she was on a prairie uh, farmstead with an adult son who was developmentally disabled and trying to help him figure things out when everybody's saying you need to send him away. And so it was interesting because these this client with two different lifetimes looking at the same issue from due to two different angles. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. 
very therapeutic, very good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it was interesting so that we can get more than one look at something. So there's so many different ways to do this, so many different yeah. ways to look at it, but you find them all equally therapeutic. Oh, yeah, very much so. Very much so. I mean, if this didn't work, I wouldn't be doing it. And in fact, I wouldn't have survived for 29 years as a therapist because, you know, most of my work is regression, although I do use NLP techniques and EFT, the tapping process. But most of my work is regression because I find it is so effective. And, you know, virtually every problem, if not if not every problem that we have as human beings, every issue is caused by locked-in feelings and emotions from past traumas. That's the regression model. And if we're able to open the stuff up, the the causes of the problem in regression, then the problem just gets better. Um, and that can be, you know, really any problem that we have. The, prob- the downside is that not everybody can regress. So, you know, sometimes we find that people can't regress back. It's not something that everybody can do. But certainly most people are able to regress. And people regress in different ways as well. So the most of the – so, for example, the stories in the book um, about the power of past life regression are visual stories. Clients are saying, I'm seeing this. You know, I'm seeing this. I'm a young woman, um, and this is happening. I'm seeing this. But there are clients who don't really see the past life, but they feel it. Um, what we call kinesthetically. And so that can be a little bit strange because a client doesn't see what's happening, but they sometimes they can intuit what's happening. They can get a feeling of it, but um, the body feels it. So they can be, you know, in trance and they start to cry or shake or the body's moving or um, they might be getting hung and the neck is moving up and they can feel the rope pulling on the neck and um you know they don't see it very much but it's it gets them better it's not fun but it gets them better mm-hmm. um but those we call kinesthetic releasing experiences and uh and they can be they can be quite dramatic i mean certainly um i had one client who i write about in the book who was a psychologist and he in this life, a psychologist, which is unusual, psychologist coming for hypnotherapy, but um, he was stuck. He he was fixated on a on his former girlfriend. She'd finished the relationship. He couldn't get her out of his head, and he was just obsessed with her. He was he was almost stalking her, and he knew how wrong that was. But you know, he would drive past her house several times a week in the hope of seeing her. Sometimes he'd just listen to her answer phone voice message that she left on a voicemail. Um, and he was a bit visual, but also very kinesthetic. So when he was in the past life experiences, he was actually feeling them and, and he was quite dramatic. He was, I mean, he, in one past life, he was a, a Viking and uh, he was a Viking warrior leader. And he was he felt himself on a boat coming for a raid somewhere. And then... All he and his warriors jump off the boat and then start having a battle. And at this stage, when he's entranced in the chair, he he is imagining he's in the battle and he's got a, he's got a sword in his hands and he was swinging his hands from side to side. He was hacking at people and swearing and screaming and chopping people's heads off and all sorts of stuff. He was completely there. He just felt it. The rage he felt. Um, in order to get through the battle was immense. So, you know, some people get these, they they just live it. They live the experience as if it's really happening right now uh, in this extremely kinesthetic way. And some clients see it, some clients don't. Uh, But it can be dramatic. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it's amazing. I find that some some of them also just have the knowing. It's like, well, I'm in a market. Well, what tells you that you're in a market? I just know that I am. Yes. Right? So we yeah. have the, the cognitive yeah. part of it too. So it's fascinating all the different ways that we can perceive it. And you yeah. said that there are some clients that just do not regress. Mm. And what, what could be stopping someone from that? Mm. 
I mean, as we know, there are some people are very good at hypnosis. Some people are naturally gifted at going into trance. They have an ability to be hypnotized, which is fantastic. And with a person like that, that's about 30% of people will usually be able to regress. But then there are some people who are not very good in hypnosis. They don't, they can't settle into it. Not many, not many people, yeah. but they just can't settle into it. And it just doesn't seem to suit them. These people tend to be controllers more than anything else. Often they're controlling males, I'm sorry to say. Um, but sometimes they just can't let themselves go enough. And sometimes they're not prepared just to let go a little in order to go with whatever comes into their imagination um, because they're too conscious, too left brain, too analytical, and they will stop it from happening. And, of course, there are sometimes clients who they refuse to have anything to do with the concept of past lives or reincarnation. So they probably won't go into a past life because they won't let it happen. Because as we know, when we're in trance, we, we are in control. Uh, we can stop things. We can, you know, we, we're not under the mercy of the hypnotherapist. Um, we, we've got our conscious mind is still there. Although, having said that, I did have a gentleman who came to me uh, with an alcohol problem. And um, he was interesting because he was a, a top London barrister who was a functional alcoholic, which meant he could work all day, but when he got home every night, he just got drunk every night. Now, he'd been sent to me by his girlfriend who had been to see me a few years earlier with her alcohol problem. And she also was a functioning alcoholic for 16 years which meant that every day she worked, as soon as she got home on a night, she started to drink. And then by nine o'clock every night, she was absolutely slosh. She was paralytic. Mm. And this had happened for 16 years. And she was so unhappy. She was overweight. She looked dreadful. Her skin was in a terrible state. And she came to me to prove that I couldn't help her. She was forced to see me by her friend. And eventually she gave in. She said, oh, well, I'll, all right, I'll go and see this Burgess, but he won't be able to help me. And she sat in the chair in front of me in my office. This was many years ago. And she was not going to let me help her, but she was there just for her friend. But she allowed herself to go into trance. And then she went into a past life, which took a breath away. She wasn't expecting it. And this was extraordinary. After one session... She never drank again. Just one session of regression. She never drank a single drop of alcohol again. She got her life back. She got fit and healthy. Um, and we did other regressions as well. She, she relived being in the First World War where she was killed in the trenches. Um, she was in Roman time. She was torn to shreds by uh, animals in the, in the amphitheatres as a Christian. Um, so we released a lot of a lot of her emotional baggage, but she she's never drunk to this from this that day to this, and so she wanted her boyfriend, this top London barrister, also to come and see me. He was a bit like her. He sat in front of me, and he was very resistant. And remember, he's a controller. He's used to being, you know, very much in control. And he said right at the start, he said. I know you do all this past life stuff. Don't even think about that with me. It's nonsense. I was brought up a Catholic. I am a Catholic and that I have nothing to do. I don't want to know about past lives. So I said, that's okay. Not a problem. Your subconscious will take us where we need to go. I explained that he was drinking alcohol to anesthetize his emotional pain. So all addictions are a way of anesthetizing emotional pain. Where did the emotional pain come from? His subconscious indicated it was coming from a past lifetime. Once he was in trance, <laughs> his subconscious said, this is past life. And it took him into a past life in the French Revolution, where he was a, a French aristocrat 
who was passionately in love with a noble woman. But because of the revolution, they got separated and she fled abroad and left for a different country. And he never saw her again. He survived the revolution, but he never saw her again. And all of that emotional pain had stayed with him in this lifetime, causing the need to anesthetize that with alcohol. So, of course, he came out of trance and he said, well, what was all that about? I don't believe in past lives. <laughs> but your subconscious took you there. I didn't. Your subconscious said that was the cause, so you did very well to follow that through. Um, but, okay, I didn't tell him to do that. His subconscious took him. So, you know, there are some people, are, well, you were asking about why don't people get into past lives, sometimes because they don't believe in it. In his case, his subconscious took him there anyway, because he wanted him to explore it. Yeah, I wanted to open his mind in that way. Maybe so, maybe so, yeah. Do you have any practices or techniques that could help someone access a past life? If you feel like they, or if they feel like they might have trouble with that, any I don't know, meditations or, or exercises that you would have them do? Yeah, I mean, I, I do have a recording that I sell via my website, which is a past life regression recording, just for people to play with, to get in, not for therapy, but just to get some interest-based uh, past lives. But people can, to, some people can do it themselves. Uh, the best way to do it is in a meditative or a relaxed state, uh, where once they're getting into a nice inner state, they just imagine maybe going back along a corridor of time and they move along the corridor and then step out of the corridor in another lifetime and just see what comes. It is actually much harder to do it yourself. It really is because the mind wanders. And also the problem is if you do that yourself and you get into an, uh, a negative past life, then you, you might not feel very good for a while. So it's best to do it with a therapist. It's always best to do it with a skilled therapist. Uh, but for me, you know, if people want to try it themselves, they can play with it via my recording or just practice, imagine going back and see what comes. Um, that's another way of doing it. But I wouldn't recommend it. I prefer people to be to see a good therapist. Absolutely. And you do most of your work online. I do 99% of my work online nowadays. And I've had to really reassess things, you know, Christy, because for years I would never, didn't want to do online sessions. I, I had to be dragged to do them. You know, I had clients who used to fly in from other countries, but not everybody could do that to see me. So I would then have to do them. But um, obviously when the lockdown came, then I've embraced doing them online. And actually I now love it. I, the sessions are fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I didn't think they would be so successful. I didn't think you could do the same job online as you can with a face-to-face in-house session. Well, I've completely reassessed my views and changed my views now. And I love doing them online. In fact, I think they actually go better because I actually think people are more comfortable because they're in their own home. You know, they haven't had to get into a car and drive through the traffic and find a parking space and then chase to my office and then they've never been here before and what's all this about and feel vulnerable. That's gone. They're just in their own home feeling in a much safer place and I think they're just, more com just much more comfortable. Right. And so I've got clients around the world now, Singapore, Hong Kong, lots of clients in the States, Australia, New Zealand, they just love it. And it's just great meeting people from different cultures as well. Sure. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, do you find cultural differences in regressions? Um, not so much cultural, but what I often find is that we've lived in the same part of a world over several lifetimes. So if I'm working with a client in, in, let's say, Singapore or Asia, the chances are their most recent past lives have been in, in that sort of area of the world, uh, as opposed to sort of being in London or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's not so much cultural. It's just the fact that, you know, we, we tend to be around it a similar continent for quite a few past lives before we move on someplace else. Mm -hmm. Or, of course, we get those past lives where we live on other planets. 
Oh yeah. I love the police. You have any good uh, good stories about that? Yeah, I mean, I had one client who was um, living in Norway when I used to live in Norway, and um, he relived really a past life as a an extraterrestrial who crash landed on Earth. His, his, his craft, his spacecraft, for whatever reason, crash landed on Earth. He survived. But he was then terrified. He spent all of his time hiding from humanity, hiding from earthlings, because he said all he could feel down here was this energy of anger and fear and horror. And he knew that if he was caught, then he would be in trouble. And of course, there's all these stories, as you know, with especially the American government and Roswell, um, you know, doing bad things to catch caught aliens, if that's true or not. Um, so he spent all of his time down here terrified. But he kept saying over and over, he kept saying, what is wrong with them down here? What is the matter with them? It doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to be like this. As if... You know, we know we're living in an asylum on Earth. We know it's an insane place at many places and times. So he just kept saying that over and over. Eventually, his uh, his colleagues or comrades came to find him. Um, and it was a bit like E.T. phone home, um, where they found him and then he was transported back up onto a spacecraft with his his own people, and then went back with a big sigh of relief to his own place. Um, And then later on he experienced, he was actually quite um, a senior member of the military, or you could say military, of of this race and another planet. And again, his planet came under attack by another alien race. And he kept saying, what is wrong with them? They don't. We don't do this. You know, his, his race was so advanced, so intelligent. We don't do this. What is wrong with them? And eventually he had to attack and make the decision to attack this these alien invaders because otherwise his planet would have been in danger. And he had real regret at doing this. It just wasn't what they did. There's better ways to do things, he kept saying. So... That, that was, a, I think, fascinating. And, you know, that, that the, it doesn't have to be like this on Earth. It resonated with me very strongly. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that would be tremendously healing for him. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was. And uh, he had a lot of fear in him as a, as a human being. And uh, after, as a result of the sessions we did, he felt a lot, lot, lot calmer. Because so many of us just get born with this fear inside us and we don't know where it comes from. You know, anxiety states. I mean, you know as well as I do, anxiety is like an epidemic for us therapists. We treat it all the time. And you don't catch anxiety. It's not like flu. It's caused by locked-in feelings and emotions from past traumas. And when we go back into those traumas, we release the anxiety and the anxiety goes so you know whatever the anxiety is um one client again in the book she had claustrophobia which of course phobias are always anxiety states which are connected to a specific thing and there's there's a phobia for virtually everything Uh, but she had claustrophobia phobia of being in a in a small space Mm-hmm. And she'd always had problems in elevators and small rooms, but she also had the desperate need to yawn and to gasp for breath all the time. She was always <sighs> trying to get her breath. And she was a teacher, and this was a bit embarrassing, you can imagine, in front of a group of people. Right. She had quite a lot of past lives that we had to work through. I, I think there were about 14, eight or 14. There was a lot to do over quite a lot of sessions. But, um, and again, we should mention this, that most past life therapy is death therapy, is releasing death trauma. I would say 60%, maybe 70% of past life regression work is releasing death trauma. So we die horribly, we bring that anxiety, that fear into this life. So 
um, in one of her past lives, she was a young woman who was living almost like a slave, who was then uh, brutalized and buried alive. And of course, as she was buried alive, she couldn't breathe. So she was trying to catch her breath in the session while the while she, the earth was being piled on her. So of course, this is one reason why she was always trying to catch her breath in this life, because the subconscious continued this habit. Uh, in another of past lives, she was um, in the Second World War in a, in the Blitz in London, and her house got blown to pieces, and she got trapped in the house as it was sort of demolished, and it burnt down around her. And, of course, then she, she died in that way. So she was trapped again in this small, in the rubble, of this house and it was all burning. So there's the claustrophobia. She couldn't get a breath because she was trapped and there's the breath thing again. So again, we worked through a lot of past lives um, in her case, release them all. And as you know, this isn't fun therapy at times, Christy. It can be upsetting, but it is so effective. And she got better. The need to breathe panic breath all the time went, their anxieties went, the confidence came back. You know, it was just wonderful to see. But I didn't make her do that. Her subconscious told us where she needed to go. I didn't know didn't know how to get better. Her subconscious told us to. And it was many layers of this too. And if we don't find a resolution in the one lifetime in the Blitz Creek and we try again if we don't find a resolution there with the indentured servitude or slavery. Then we try again until we have so many ladies that we have to unravel them all. Yes, and you're quite right. We go back to what we said at the start of this of this interview. That it, it, there's a thread, a theme that often goes back over many past lives, and when we uncover that theme and release it, or become aware of it and release the traumas, then then we get better. And um, yeah, and it, and it works. If it didn't work, you wouldn't be doing it. I wouldn't be doing it. Exactly. It it works. It works. And so I I believe that um, you're truly doing an amazing job of healing the planet, healing the world, bringing peace to everyone, bringing them up to the present moment so they can really enjoy it and live through the present moment. And um, you've got you've got your book out, The Power of Past Life Regression. You've also got your other book, The uh, uh, Famous Past Lives. Famous Past Lives, of course. We, yeah. we talked about um, in the depth last the last time. time. Absolutely. Yeah. And then yeah. your website. Can you plug your website again? Yeah, uh, my main website is lionheart-training.com. Lionheart, as in Richard the Lionheart dash training.com i have a, a wordpress site with a lot of blogs and podcasts on that's called hypnoblogpod.wordpress.com hypnoblogpod uh, but what i always like people to do is to go onto my free youtube channel where i have free hypnotherapy recordings for people to enjoy and that's called hypno for all h-y-p-n-o the number four a-l-l and those are hypnotherapy recordings that I just want the world to enjoy. I want hypnotherapy in the world. This is my way of giving back. So they're all free. There's recordings for anxiety, for childbirth, for weight loss, for irritable bowel syndrome, um, all sorts of things, just for people to get into hypnotherapy and, uh, and to try it. And, it's, and the relaxational elements of it, of course. Um, well, that many times just solves so many problems by itself, just relaxation. Yes, yeah, and just then, becoming calmer. And uh, so, yeah. And my Facebook page is Power, The Power of Past Life Regression, just like the title of the book. So, yeah. Wonderful. And so which way would, um, which method would we use to make an appointment with you? Use the website, lionheart-training.com. Uh, that's the best way. And, uh, I feel like yeah. there's a story there with the lion heart. What is, where did well, that there, are, <laughs> there are a couple of stories very quickly, if you like. Um, one story is that 
uh, I call my training organization because I train therapists, train people to be therapists. Um, I call my training organization Lionheart Training because I believe as therapists, we have to be lionhearted. We have to take on a lot of our clients, hear terrible things from our clients' lives, and we have to keep coming back for more. We, we have to be lion-hearted. Um, secondly, I found years ago when I did some shamanic, my first shamanic training, that the, 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 we did some work on power animals, and my power animal was a lioness, so that all fitted in. But, so I call things lion-heart training, and then... Quite a few years ago, I was running a, a past life regression training course in the UK for therapists. And one of the therapists, as we did practical exercises and the people were working in their own past lives, he relived a past life as a crusader-type knight in the Holy Lands in, I think, what, 1200s, 1300s, whatever. Um, and... He was fighting against the, um, you know, the the uh, the Muslim hordes that were fighting the Christian Crusaders, um, and he was a knight, and he was he was he died in a battle. Now he was adamant that he was fighting for me in that battle, and that I was Richard the Lionheart. Now. <laughs> I then sort of dismiss that because I don't want to get all, all egotistical because I'm not sure how true it was, whether he just sort of put two and two together and made five, but or whether the Lionheart thing was in his head because he was training with Lionheart training, I don't know. But it sort of, it always stuck with me, that, that sort of curious sort of resonance. Was I Richard the Lionheart? It <laughs> had to be. Someone had to be. Exactly. <laughs> yes, I, I know. With your book, Famous uh, Past Lives, is that someone has to be, someone These has things, to yeah. have yeah. this in their, in their past lives. Just a few weeks ago, I had a lady, a client, she's a, a an actress in LA, I think. Um, and she relived a past life where we think she was the reincarnation of Jim Morrison of The Doors. Oh, my. Mm. And that was very, very interesting. Oh, um, sure. And uh, she, you know, and things fitted together, especially things about Jim Morrison's life. It all fitted together with the way she's sort of been in this life. So maybe there's another famous, maybe another famous one there as well. Oh, now that would be interesting. You know, I had a client who had a lifetime where, he had written the 14th Amendment. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. And turns out the name that he had in that past life was the same as, I think I emailed you about this. You did. I remember this. You put it, it's a fantastic story. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And there were details that uh, from that lifetime that were extremely obscure very obscure and it turned out that everything checked out even the number yes. of marriages that this person had and so it was just fascinating someone has to have these lifetimes i mean it just stands to reason we can't all be peasants and potato diggers no we are in most cases i mean you know as i said i've, I've done thousands and thousands of sessions but i've only have a few people who are famous but as you say somebody has to have been those people and um and it, you know, this is the accusation, all past life, everybody thinks they're being Cleopatra. No, they don't. No, they don't. It just doesn't happen. No. So, you know, it, it, and you can actually spot a fantasy past life a mile off because the, the way the client experiences it is so different to what I call a real past life. Um, it, it's just There's just a real depth to a real past life. Um, and everything fits as well. People say this, this, this. It all fits in with what was known at that time. So I, I, I really, you know, people say this is all imagination. They really need to do the research. You know, be hypnotized, be regressed, do lots of regression yourself, and then you'll start to realize this is real. This is not made up stuff. Absolutely, it's all in there.
So, Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure talking with you again. I would love to have you on, you know, in future time, too. So, <laughs> you know that you're always new work. You're always working on new things, new books. And so I'd yeah. love to have you on again because it's just so fascinating. I love this work. Thanks, Chrissy. Absolutely. Isn't it wonderful? We're so blessed to be able to do this work. We really are. Yeah. It's been a real pleasure being with you again, Christy. Thank you. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.